welcome to another episode of Muso, where your hosts, Ngone, Hadi, and Jama. As you know, on this podcast, we share a microphone for fresh conversations on current affairs and women's realities beyond a single story. It's another Monday morning. We hope you're all doing well and you're having a great start to this week and that you're not overworking yourself and you're getting paid enough, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's something, it's something we, we always need to consider. But anyway, ladies, how are you doing? Are you are you overworking yourselves? Are you getting paid enough? What's up? What's good? Driving on my break. <laughs> Driving on my break. Even though I'm still checking emails and stuff, but then yeah. It's just nice to just lie in the house and know that this is not an obligation for me anymore. And I can just rest for my four weeks. Yes. Must be nice. Mm-hmm. It is nice. I can confirm. Ha ha ha! I can Great. confirm. Well, like, we've had enough, Patty. How are you? I am very exhausted. I can barely see. I can barely stand straight. I can barely do anything. I am like wiped. This week has pooped me out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't relate. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. I can absolutely relate to that. I'm so tired. For talk, like I'm always sleepy. It's like. You know, that's how I am. I'm always sleepy because I'm tired, man. I need a break. I need a break. You but... know, my body's doing the opposite where it's like there's so much to do. So it's not shutting down. No matter how much I just want to rest. I have been unable to get any rest this week. Can't sleep. Can't do much. But we move. It's hard to sleep even with Nawak and the oh. heat. <sighs> Please. And the jumping lights, like comfort go fat. I can't believe we're doing comfort go fat again this year. I think Every like, year. And like it's like around this time of the year, my Facebook memories are filled with posts of me complaining about now yeah. from like I eight years ago and think uh, I want to please. go home. So this week we're going to talk about something that a lot of people can relate to, a lot of menstruating people can relate to. Something that makes our lives a living hell for a certain part of every month. Something we dread and that's, you know, your period, our periods. Uh, and to get into it as usual, we're going to begin with a quote that's going to segue us into the discussion. This quote is by Fatima Sane, CEO of um, Fatima's Pad Drive. And she says, I believe if we speak up about period shame, and destigmatize the issues and shame attached to menstruation, women and girls will feel more powerful. It helps to remove fear and shame, particularly to the younger girls who just started their menstruation or are yet to start. I can I, dig it. Yeah, I can, I, I can dig it. I can dig it because I think we all remember our first period. When, where you were, you know, who you were with, how it happened. I think that's something that you would never forget. And for me, I think I was, it was in uh, junior high, middle school. I was coming home from school. Like I was walking and then I felt like this sharp pain in my abdomen. And like, I felt like the harder I breathed, the more I felt it. I was like, what is that? I got home, went to the bathroom to ease myself and I saw blood. But luckily for me, I knew what it was. So I, I went to my mom, I told her and you know, she gave me the whole leggy matanga, you are now grown, so you should be careful speech. And I was like, careful about what? But, 
you know we're gonna get into all of that so Hadi, what was your first i thought i was gonna die i didn't know what was going on i will never forget the day it was my aunt's wedding (laughs) september 8th 2006 okay i do not remember the day no Um, i'm very good with dates by the way okay yeah so i literally thought i was gonna die because i was just like what the fuck is in my aunt Atlanta up <laughs> but I was so confused and so I showed my aunt and she was like oh and then she just gave me a pad and I was like oh I'm not dying she was like no and she was laughing at me because I really thought I was dying because like there was blood like it was spotting because I kept on changing my underwear like for like 30 minutes that day I was just changing my underwear <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah so after that like I told my grandma because my grandma was like lady manga nonsense nonsense and then that was it and I think all of us, yeah, all of us. Mine was August. It was an August. I can't remember the exact date, but I know that I knew once my airport. She was traveling, and then as soon as we got home, so while we were taking her, the whole day I could feel some discomfort, right, in the um around my naha and stuff, mm-hmm. the abdominal area. So we dropped her off at the airport and we came home. I think I went to pee and then noticed like there was blood in my pants. Mm-hmm. So this is a bloody episode. If, these things make you clean. Just stick to the episode and listen to it, right? <laughs> you know, so I realized there was blood in my pants. And so I went to my cousin. I was like, I, so it wasn't like I didn't know what was happening. Because I think being at Lenahan, for example, those were some of the things that we were doing work around. And so I knew what was happening. But still, it was shocking. You know, just sitting there and seeing blood oozing out of your vagina. Mm-hmm. And for me, also, like, it was also not shocking because I was kind of late. In the sense of, okay, when people start. So all of my friends had already started. Mine started, I think, the holiday from grade 9 going to grade 10. So I was about 14 um, when I had my first um, period. So then I was like excited that, oh, it's finally here. But also, what the hell is going on? Why why do I have blood coming out of my vagina? And um, so I went to my cousin and I told her. And so she took me to her mom, my aunt. And so they like gave me pads, helped me clean up and everything. Then in the Indy. I was like, okay, what's this? In the India, and then they told me to go and get a bantibale, like a broomstick. And they brought a broomstick, and I said, Okay. So they held the India and said, I should poke three holes because then that would make sure, like, I have three day cycle. Uh, well, I'm sure I bleed for three days. So I poked the three holes, and I bleed up for 14 days. <laughs> I was just about to ask if it worked. I bleed up for 14 days, and then after that, it stopped, and I didn't see it again for, like, six months. Mm-hmm. So I had a pretty re- irregular start with my period. I would go, like, three, four months without seeing anything, and then mm-hmm. it comes. So, Legila Soga, I'm, like, in the past two years or so, that's when I started having a regular oh, period. Oh, two years? Yeah, okay. two or three years. That's I when I started. It's actually quite normal for when, like... Um, a girl starts menstruating at the first year or two is very like no so like for, for, a, for yeah. a very extended period for me it was irregular so i couldn't even plan anything i just okay. made sure i had products on me and all of just that vibes. yeah <laughs> yeah it was just vibes and inshallah inshallah so new edal, we just see mm-hmm. we take it and then eventually it became a thing of like me getting cramps or just discomfort and that tells me okay maybe this is what's coming and sometimes it does it and doesn't come sometimes I'll go to the hospital i'm like i'm not bothered mm-hmm. This bleeding thing, this cramps thing, if it doesn't come, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay. You know, so that was really my, my first experience. My mom wasn't around. And I remember feeling like I wanted her to be there when that happened. Yeah. I didn't really get the talk talk, to be honest. Like the whole moitul, lagur lale, that kind of thing. They just did the indie thing and told me, okay, I'm three days. And if up to the day, you know, what's the relation between the indie and the bantibale and my periods? We have very weird yeah. practices, honestly. <laughs> honestly. 
But you know, this conversation reminds me of something, a, a video, a TikTok video I saw on Twitter this morning of um, this girl who, when she first got her period, she was with um, her, her husband, her, her dad and her brother. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> she thought the blood clot was her baby. It's about got placements under the dinner table. <laughs> but that just goes to show you how, you know, across cultures, you know, yeah. usually we believe that we have these, um, this, this, um, this, so what's it called silence around periods and menstruation and everything that it comes with in in you know in the gambia and african communities but this shows you that it's across the board mm-hmm. people do not talk about menstruation and for me i realized um that the more i talk about it with people the more i learn about myself and my cycle yeah. and the more i know about my body as well and you know it's, it's, it's crazy because a lot of, I think, majority of young women in this country or majority of girls in this country are not prepared mm-hmm. at yeah. all when they get their period. You mm-hmm. can know about periods, you know what it means and stuff, but you are not yourself, you're not prepared for mm-hmm. it and you don't know how to deal with it when it starts. And then the effects that it has. If, for example, you know, when your period starts and you're told, like I was told, you should be careful, you're now grown. What should I be careful mm-hmm. for? And, you know, what repercussions does this have on you know ultimately on our se- uh, sexual and reproductive health mm-hmm. oh that's a question mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um it's funny i literally right before coming here i had um a session on sexual and reproductive health with um young girls and you know the period talk came up and i asked them around like you know what myths and misconceptions have they had growing up and it's basically just this entire conversation that we're mm. having now that mm. I've just had. Mm-hmm. And um, when I think about certain stuff, especially around like if a man touches your breasts, that's how you get pregnant mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It um, We are not teaching our young girls anything about their bodies. We're basically, um, we're not teaching our young girls anything about their bodies. There's no fully full understanding of what the menstrual cycle is. Mm. Even just the fact that like it's not just that the menstrual cycle is the part of the cycle where you bleed because you know the cycle starts from like the day one of your bleeding all the way to the day before your next period comes Mm -hmm. so we're not giving an understanding of what happens during you know the phase one during the um, luteal phase where like you know the um, estrogen is building up we don't know what happens around ovulation which is the only time you can get pregnant and breast is not (laughs) touching breast is not going to get you pregnant um you know we're not telling and also a lot of the time it's because we don't have the understanding to begin with Mm -hmm. so you can't even lay that blame because also there's the assumption that if a man is touching your breast then obviously there's like some other kind of sexual play or sexual activity going on but if you tell a girl a man touches your breast is how you get pregnant then she could be having like actual sexual intercourse Mm -hmm. but then it's like we'll last no end yeah. I think there's so, that, there was a running joke about don't touch, mm-hmm. don't touch, don't touch. So I can't remember the full, but you used to hear when we were kids, like mm-hmm. the parent, so the girl started menstruating and the mother was like, if a man tries to leave, then tell them don't touch, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, I think what happened was like the girl was in a position where she was like in a sexual relation with someone and then the person was like, so, so yeah, Monica, don't. And then it's like touch and then don't and then touch. Um, so when you when she's saying touch, it's like touch. Yeah. And then that happened, she got pregnant. And I think it just points to like just the mixed messaging that people receive. Yeah. And how we just, you know, skirt around the issues as opposed to yeah. being direct about this is how your body works, this is what happens when this is happening. The fact that in all of um sex is safe. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't yeah. even talk about, you know, any kind of sexual reproductive health issues outside of the context mm. of marriage. Mm-hmm. marriage yeah. So if you know, in communities like this, how do you have these conversations yeah. around sex and sexual activity and periods in general? Mm-hmm. How do you make the female body something that's not for male, you know, for ma- for the man mm-hmm. and something that girls should understand and should be proud of and should be able to know? Like, even today, again, like, we were teaching and I went through, like, the internal organs, the external organs, and all of that. And just so girls can know the names mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. and their functions versus just the penis goes inside the vagina. And the what part. exactly the vagina is, the private part, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's so important that we have these conversations and we have a proper, proper understanding of what's going in the body, what is causing menstruation, what's deemed healthy what's deemed unhealthy because you also hear stories about how like you know like we said in the like i briefly mentioned in the beginning of any kind of menstrual cycle your period is not regular mm-hmm. and also not every person has a regular period mm-hmm. and also certain issues like stress or you know exercise a lot of things can contribute to an irregular cycle mm-hmm. but i've heard so many stories of girls where um they then talk they'll skip their period and then i remember someone was explaining that their dad threatened to kick their mom out of the house because she didn't have a period for one month and so the dad assumed that she was pregnant and then more he had basically you know, so don't be the for so don't be about this and that without really understanding the realities of what the menstrual cycle actually is. And beyond you know, beyond um, the things that I said to you, the myth the myths or the misconception or whatever, and the taboo itself, I think that's what I'm looking for. The taboo mm-hmm. around menstruation extends to even the use of menstrual products Mm -hmm. you go into the shop you know you can't even ask Mm -hmm. a pad or not when Mm -hmm. people are there used i i remember like i used to stand back and wait until the shop cleared out to ask if they have you know freedom that back then that's what we had Mm -hmm. if they had freedom pad and then after you got it you wrap it around newspaper hide Mm -hmm. it some way and like it's like there's this whole taboo about something that is a natural bodily function Mm -hmm. like urine and poop and whatever <laughs> i think it even got to yeah. a point where even when you don't ask mm-hmm. um the shopkeepers yeah because i remember very to recently so i ran out um because usually i keep a supply at home because mm-hmm. i know like my parents just come anytime they're not so mm-hmm. but that day i ran out so i had to get one from the shop and i went to get it and he was like and he started pulling out new so i'm like no so mm-hmm. i didn't even take the plastic bags i held the thing and mm-hmm. i saw how he was looking at me yeah. so then even with the way the things happen they themselves are conditioned to like hide it mm-hmm. it's a product that you don't sell in the open mm-hmm. you know you're okay with somebody coming to whisper it i don't mm-hmm. know if it's because also they get uncomfortable yes. and all of that but the, their natural reaction to packaging loads Known. Mm-hmm. Even when they the days when they arm a bag, arm a boost, mm-hmm. they make sure that they're wrapping up the pads and giving mm-hmm. those to you. And I think it really just speaks to just how we see menstruation. Mm-hmm. So the, not just the taboo, but it's the dirty thing. It's mm-hmm. funny the way you said we see menstruation when in reality we don't want to see menstruation. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. So mm-hmm. it's a taboo. Everybody knows it's happening, mm-hmm. but then nobody wants to and if it accept it. Happen, it's a problem. It becomes a problem. <laughs> so when it happens, everybody thinks, "Oh, it's dirty, it's nasty." When it doesn't happen, it's a problem as mm-hmm. well. And it's reminding me um, when we talk the mis- the myths and the misconceptions with TYW, the mentorship program. Mm-hmm. So this was the year when we started the pad drive. Um, I think it was Fatima's class. I can't remember the year, but it must be about like three, three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with their class, so as part of the module for the mentorship program, there's a module on. Um, 
menstruation and periods and all of that so that session we were doing and so we just wanted to understand with the girls that were coming in what did they understand and all so we usually do content around the cycle mm-hmm. um, have them understand it how do they prepare how do they deal with it and so we were asking them also how do they access menstrual hygiene products mm-hmm. and some of the girls were sharing stories and a lot of the time when we talk about access to the um, products it's usually seen from an economic perspective. But in that class, what the girls also taught us was that some of these myths and misconceptions block them from accessing the products, even if their families are able to afford it. Mm-hmm. So some of the girls were like, um, their parents wouldn't let them use the pads because they believe using the pads would prevent them from getting kids when they get married. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a case of affordability in that context. It was more a case of this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. And if we let our girls use these foreign products. So then they were using like the, Cloth. the cloths. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot to be said about um, the clots as well, but I guess we'll get to that point. Mm-hmm. But then it really got us to under... And for some of the girls, it was a case of not being able to afford it at all. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're able to afford, how much are you able to afford? Are you able mm-hmm. to change your pads as regularly as is advised and all mm-hmm. of that? So that really was what pushed us to um, create the drive where we started now providing pads for the girls in the program. And eventually they started also bringing their friends from school who could not afford it. But I think the misconceptions go deeper than, oh, this is just a dirty thing or this is just mm-hmm. a problem. It's how it impacts the lives of the girls and the women or just generally menstruators mm-hmm. um, who now need these things to be able to ensure they're effectively managing their menstrual hygiene but cannot do it because, mm-hmm. well, this is what we believe is going to be Out- the result. Outside of hygiene, I'm even just thinking about the health perspective yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of like menstrual cramps and stuff exactly. like that because severe cramping is not normal. But you can't really discuss it. And some actually had one of the girls talk about how um, in her community, if someone has severe cramps, then that means that they're not sexually active. I hate the term virgin and not Hmm. non-virgin. So um, she was saying that in her community, having severe cramps means that you're no longer, you're you're, um, not sexually active. And then, yeah, so you're good. Which is, you know, which is insane because having really severe cramps that are abnormal and a lot of women and girls, well, menstruating people do, yeah, me included, (laughs) all of us included. It's not normal. It can be a sign of, you know, so many different um, medical conditions Mm -hmm. and like endometriosis, PCOS Mm -hmm. can cause it. But if we're not able to talk about what is going on in our bodies, then it's very hard to actually find um, a relief from mm-hmm. what is going on and it's not even just the physical it's the emotional like yeah. suffering from pmdd mm-hmm. and you know other kinds of issues for me you know my migraines when i'm ovulating mm. there's so many things but like unless you discuss it and we're not given the space to discuss it it's hard to realize that oh there's something i can do for my body and i remember even with cramps because i have cramps like really bad mm. and somebody thought it ran in our family and they would look at it as because young young cramps you can't do anything people mm. get it as yeah. yeah you're trying to run away from doing Trying housework and so work and do stuff yeah but i can't move that's yeah. the thing my legs are all you can't you yeah. literally can't get up out of bed yeah. you know but then people always see it as the you know she doesn't want to be a part of the housework and all of that mm. fake the cramps and stuff like that mm. so it's a lot to mm-hmm. unpack <laughs> And, you know, uh, we're talking about the myths and where they come from. And um, not long ago, I was reading Hala by Usman mm-hmm. Sambel. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a part where the Bajan was telling um, the main character, the man, that mm-hmm. his new bride was, um, was seeing her period. And in that part, you know, the author explained how, according to tradition, you know, a menstruating woman 
because then that's what it was a menstruating one or a menstruating person would wash their cloth at night mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they would use cloths mm-hmm. they didn't have access to yeah. passive, but they would use cloths and these cloths would be washed at night so that men would not see them mm-hmm. because you know your period or whatever you're using to take care of your period is something that's supposed to be out of the sight of men mm-hmm. like men are not supposed to see it and then that's i think from for me i i read that and i thought this, maybe this is where the taboo and the myths begin because if it's if this natural function is something that you feel the need to hide from mm-hmm the opposite sex mm-hmm. you know people who basically live with you mm-hmm. they're I mean, your husband issue. your brother your everything and if you feel to, the need to hide it from them some of these people are going to go ahead and get married mm-hmm. to women and some of them would have female children or children who would see their period get their periods how would they help them yeah. in that case i think it's back to the patriarchy really and mm-hmm. that's why it should be situated within that um that context because even with the Ramadan thing, I think we had a discussion here around mind your business and stuff like that. But that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. You're in the home. You're having to refuse to eat because then you eating would signal that, to the yeah. men, not everybody in the house, just the men that, mm-hmm. oh, you're not fasting. It's probably because you're on your period. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also just um, the reason why a lot of the euphemisms, because you can't even say I'm on my period without mm-hmm. people looking at you like, are you correct? I think a few months ago or so, I saw a tweet like, I think it was a woman actually who came out to tweet that and said, you know, periods are so sacred and so private, but Twitter, people come on Twitter all the time and talk yeah. about, I'm on my period and blah, blah, blah. These are things that you need to keep to yourself. And I think that's really where the problem lies. Yeah. I mean, it's the talk of the mangitilim, mm-hmm. you know, just mangitilim, setumab, the mangai duty. So mm-hmm. we find all of these euphemisms. Yeah. <laughs> So we find all of these euphemisms just to avoid saying, I am on my period, which is a, which is a real thing. It's a natural thing. You know, it's like you, what, peeing, like you said, or pooing or whatever. It's a natural body function. But we do all of that. And again, it comes back to what gaze we're trying to satisfy. Whose gaze is it? Because it's not the woman. The women know what's happening. But for the men, it's like, oh, they don't need to know. What are you protecting them from? And you know, be, being public about your period, that's where the whole shaming com- yeah. comes uh, comes to as well. Because if you're open with this, like, you're like, you know, like, you're like, how come you're showing everyone that, 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 that you're on your period? And you know, like that person, I've had someone I've worked with say, you know, she was like, how can you people talk about your periods on Twitter? And I was like, it's natural. How? Why, why wouldn't I talk about my period <laughs> on Twitter? It's like, oh, I could never do that. And I have someone else, another friend of ours who was there, she was like, but that's normal. It should be okay to talk about exactly. your period. But this is someone who's, you know, very open-minded in other cases. But in this case, she is like, I could never talk about my period because we have so much shame attached to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're on your period, you should be ashamed that people are seeing you eating when you're supposed to be fasting. Mm-hmm. You should be ashamed that there's a stain on your back yeah. because you know, you're on your period. I remember that incident I had when we um, oh, went yeah. to that, that <laughs> event and I was mortified that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I bled so much that I overflowed all over the place and I was so mortified. But now I think about it, I'm we like, had to hide it when we were living. Yeah, yeah, we, we had to hide it, and it was gone. like, oh my god, it was so bad. But now I think about it, and I'm like, why was I ashamed that you know I overbled? Yeah. It wasn't my like fault. There was no way. I have a yeah. yeah, and you know, there's no way you can control how much you bleed. Mm. 
Yeah. So and anyway. I think it's why it's also important to talk. So f- yeah, on that part, it could invite some shaming mm-hmm. um, from people, but it's also helping a lot with more people being open about, yeah. you know, talking about it. Or even if you're not mentioning pillow, just your cramps. Because mm-hmm. yeah. even saying, I have cramps, because people mm-hmm. then link it to menstruation, even that people could not. But yeah. I think the more conversations are being had, mm-hmm. the more, you know, girls, women, menstruators yeah. are free to your just speak about because for me i say i have cramps because i think i've I'm mentally i've connected mm. periods to cramps, cramps so much yeah. that it's not even the period that i'm care- i care about it's the fact that the cramps are coming cramps. so it's like i just have cramps oh for me i think now i've gotten to a point where i'm so comfortable sending an email like work email like i can't come in i have menstrual cramps oh i have i've been doing that for years yeah i'm like, I'm like yeah i, can't. I, I can't have menstrual cramps oh why won't you at work i had menstrual cramps yeah, if yeah. you're uncomfortable that's your problem mm. but really that's what i had and yeah so i think this is a good place to take a short break and when we come back we'll look more into periods and period poverty take a chill pill and if we're creeping you out we're sorry we're sorry we're We're sorry we're not sorry (laughs) we're absolutely not sorry sorry. it's a bloody episode (laughs) we'll be back soon Welcome back, welcome back. It's a bloody Monday. We're dealing with periods, you know. So, you know, my co-hosts say, say they're not sorry if you're disturbed. So, you know, sorry, not sorry. We're talking about blood and periods today. Anyway, we've talked um, a lot about periods and the myths and period shaming and everything that it comes with. And beyond all of that, there's also the issue of period poverty. And when we talk about period poverty, we mean, you know, people menstruating people who have difficulty accessing the sanitary and basic hygiene products that, that they need to get through this period of their lives. Maybe once a month, some people twice a month, however regularly or irregularly they get their period. There are people who you know, are forced to stay at home and not go to school or go to work because they do not have access to basic sanitary products. And you know, period um, pads, tampons, these are all basic sanitary products that every woman needs. So, so for a place like the Gambia, where you, where you know, women make up more than half of the population, this means that more than half of the population would very likely be menstruating once a month or even more than that, and they would need access to these basic sanitary products. So, how come we have women living through period poverty, Hadi? And what? How can we fix that? How come? Because capitalism. We live in a very unequal world. <laughs> Um, but it's um, it's definitely something really, really important to discuss because mm-hmm. not just the stigma around periods, but um, if a girl you know does not have access to period products, a school you know the um, rate of going to school 
reduces so there's more chances of dropping out because mm-hmm. you know you can't really be bleeding well you're not supposed to be ble- quote unquote be bleeding through your uniform mm-hmm. and you know there's just so much shame attached yeah. to it having limited access to these period resources impacts a girl's education um, mental health and well-being and there's just i also keep thinking about the fact that like um it can be for example um if you're in a community and you know your family is quite poor mm-hmm. you have to think about what kind of resources are available to you so yeah. it goes mm-hmm. from like seeing that a girl is really not the priority so yeah. not really prioritizing sanitary pads over mm-hmm. let's say food or over let's say other items mm-hmm. and i think usually when we talk about period poverty as well one of the things we don't talk about a lot so a lot of the focus is on the actual period products mm-hmm. but i'm thinking even access to clean water yeah that in itself is a problem because yeah. like i use more water when i'm on my periods yeah. than i would do regularly yeah. to clean up mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. so if you don't have access to clean running water if you're talking about communities where people have to walk long distances mm-hmm. um to be able to get clean water what does that look like when it comes to like proper hygiene management and when you're even, on your period and even with um because if you don't have access to actual pads the whole um cloth so even cloth, yeah. yeah so so yeah. first it's about cleaning yourself and making sure you're okay but then how do you clean your cloth adu- adequately to ensure mm-hmm. you're preventing infections Just, and yeah. all of that so that is an important part of the conversation that is sometimes missed mm-hmm. and i think um the connection is also usually made when it ties to education so you mentioned for example girls missing out mm-hmm. um but it's also because in the schools these facilities do not always exist the wash mm-hmm. facilities so we talk water sanitation hygiene do we have toilets where girls can go and get the privacy to change their pads to clean mm-hmm. up um adequately and go back to class mm-hmm. because then even with the cloth and this is making me think about a question i think musa was the one who raised this when we were talking about um So when we did the pad drive we had people also giving us the re- reusable packs mm-hmm. and we were thinking okay how do we distribute these because mm-hmm. then we need to also provide the education around how to take care of them mm-hmm. um to ensure you're preventing yourself and so she looked at the pad you know nicely packaged in the ways that they have now been packaged and mm-hmm. asked how is this different from the cloth um that we always complain about mm-hmm. and so it's like an improved version of the and it raises the question around is it the cloth or the management that matters the most because mm-hmm. then the reusable ones are made from the same cloth maybe mm-hmm. it's padded maybe now you have um types where you now insert you have the period panties yeah. mm-hmm. so they have been improved but i think it's basically the same concept it's, it's but the then you concept. need um you need clean water you need um a private space to be able to change without uh, the risk of being attacked or especially in schools where for example you don't have toilets that are segregated by mm-hmm. gender for example mm-hmm. Um, how comfortable are menstruators going into these spaces to take care of themselves yeah. and so i think the period poverty issue is a huge yeah. um it's it's wide it's yeah. broad it's wide um it doesn't just focus on who can afford to buy pads from the supermarket or the boutique but how much access do people have to the materials that they actually yeah. need because mm-hmm. even the reusable reusable ones how many people have access to that and not just access i think it's so important that you brought that up because a lot of these materials that we thought as reusable such as the cup yeah. or the um you know cloth it's still for more higher income people yeah, yeah. because the management of it is re- like for the cloth um for the menstrual cup you know you need to be able to wash it to clean it's it all of that yeah or... to sterilize it to rid yourself of infection but then i remember like every time i think of a pad drives i'm like why don't they just give people 
you know, the cups and all these things mm. that will last forever. Mm-hmm. But then you have to realize that, girl, nobody has access to certain privileges that mm-hmm. you have access to, that yeah. this will make your life better, but that it could also cause more harm mm-hmm. than good for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And aside from the privileges, you also have to look at the social context. Yeah. In, a, in a society where people are so concerned with um, people's sexual experiences that a lot mm-hmm. of people do not even use tampons, yeah. how open would they be to using a menstrual cup? Mm-hmm. They'd be like, why, like, lead, of course, this virgin, quote-unquote. People love using that word. It makes no sense. But yes, you know. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing that Jama mentioned about, you know, access to facilities, even in regular schools. My sisters go to, like, one of them goes to GTTI, and I've heard them complain about how messy the bathroom bathrooms are, that, you know, if they need to pee, they just, it's like a matter of running in. You only go in if you're really, really, really mm-hmm. pressed. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of running in and running out. And as Gemma was speaking, I was also thinking, so in that case, if you're on your period, you're in school, and you need to change your pad or whatever um, you're using, how do you go about that? If the bathroom is so messy that you can't even pee in it, and when you're changing your pad or your, your menstrual um, <coughs> products, you actually spend a longer time in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. So how would that work? If that bathroom is so dirty that there's no water in it, you know, it, you can't even sit, stay in it. That also could lead to, you know, health issues for you. Because mm-hmm. if you're in school from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. and you're supposed to change your pad recommended between 4 to 6 hours, you're now spending about 8 hours at that place. That means you'd very likely have your pad on for that long what health issues can you get from that and i think even using it in that context it's also what if i soil the toilet some more mm-hmm. yeah somebody comes in and finds out i was the one in here and mm-hmm. then they go out and talk about how smoke blood yeah. is all over mm-hmm. because there's no water to flush mm-hmm. or to clean up whatever the toilets look like mm-hmm. but, but talking about the schools it also has me thinking like of the extent so with our um secondary school for example our home economics teachers were able to provide pads mm-hmm. right but then I remember how uncomfortable we used to be when we had our periods in school and we did mm-hmm. not have pads and we had to go ask for them. Mm-hmm. Because it's also the attitude towards you when you go ask for these pads. And then you go ask and they give you like one, mm-hmm. one pad. That's mm-hmm. what they give you, um, I guess, to stem the flow until you're able to get home and mm-hmm. use your own materials. But it's also just, because I remember one time, so the one that's menstruating mm-hmm. is not the one that asks for the pad. Mm-hmm. So you tell your friend to ask for it because I guess, oh, I'm not the one menstruating right now, so it's less shame. But yeah. then they go and say, oh, I'm Mrs. Thomas, I want this, 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 that, that, that. Mm-hmm. So even in the schools, and so it gets you thinking, if children, like menstruators, for example, are ab- unable or uncomfortable to go ask for these materials, mm-hmm. what would it look like even sitting in class and learning about menstruation? It's not happening anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So it, it really just brought that memory up for me and the shame we used to feel with mm-hmm. regards and planning body and poor death mm-hmm. just to be able to get the pads from them while you're there bleeding and hoping that it doesn't spill on your uniform. You know, I have a I, I know someone who, who said um, they switched schools in high school, and I think in, in the 10th grade. Or no no in the in the eighth grade they switched schools because they got their period in school and they like they overflowed mm. and like ev- basically like everyone was staring at them and they felt so much shame they couldn't go back to the school wow. they literally switched schools because of the shame and they couldn't deal with it and I just want to say, beyond shame is there any link to period poverty and GBV? There is mm-hmm. there's many there is because there examples have been given so the point I was making around um. First of all, it's gendered violence because mm-hmm. it's women mostly or menstruators in general who form the minority of mm-hmm. well, our society's populations and who have little power who face this problem. 
Um, but the example I was giving as well, there have been reports of cases where, for example, girls go to, so it happens in schools and you try to go find a safe place where, you know, you can chain your pads, clean up and all of that and they mm-hmm. get sexually assaulted. So those things have Ooh. also happened. It's, it's just a general conversation around providing safe toilets in schools. And I think this is one thing that UNICEF has been championing. I know mm-hmm. while I was with them, there was some work around improving um, wash facilities in schools. And that was one of the considerations that was being made. Mm-hmm. But in general, I think obviously there are those links. Because again, we're situated within the patriarchy. There are so many connections that we, um, that we need to look into. Mm-hmm. But also, you could make connections with what you know menstruators might be forced to do to be able to have access correct um, that's to what the, i was to the that's product. exactly so what i wanted to say are these things that they're able to consent to for example mm-hmm. uh, is it coercion is it a case mm-hmm. of oh going to somebody who has more power than you yeah. to be able to access the material that yeah. you need mm-hmm. or to be able to get clean water from yeah. someone to be able mm-hmm. to get a pad or you know so all of those things are interconnected it's you can't remember yeah it's, it's basically it's a a, it's, it's it, a is, it is it is it is because even if it's outside of your family uh, even if within your family if let's say your father's upset with you or your mom and they withhold that from you yeah. mm-hmm. then that's a form of violence yeah. Yeah. or if it's someone outside that you're trying to get it from that's a form of violence yeah, yeah. so i think it's really really connected because i also think i've read something around like um so these humanitarian services in conflict zones for example mm-hmm. as well already there's conflict it's room for so much violence mm-hmm. but then um so as part of the supplies they call them dignity kits there was a very important conversation on the feminist and wild african group yeah around calling it dignity, dignity kits. kits can yeah. you really put the dignity of a woman in a bag but, you know yeah. one pad or one pack of pads you know soap and what 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 so calling them menstruation um menstruation kits or mm-hmm. period kits maybe I think there's some organizations here that need to take a cue regarding yeah. that. But, you know, so they have those as part of the supplies that are supposed to be provided to um, people, perhaps in refugee settlements and all. And they use it as a form of currency. They yeah. use it as a form of um, transactional material to be able to sleep with the people who need them. And so if you're in that condition, usually there's no running water. You're struggling mm-hmm. to get um, the materials that you need. There is a possibility that you might be forced mm-hmm. um, to accept, you know, their proposals for sexual favors in exchange for the materials that you need. So true. yeah, you can't divorce it from violence mm-hmm. or gendered violence. Mm-hmm. No, but honestly, I, I, I think like a, a whole lot needs to be done about period and period poverty and just basic access to, you know, sanitary facilities, including mm-hmm. water for menstruating people. And, you know, I, I don't think it's something that's impossible to do. Because we've seen um, decades of fight mm-hmm. leading to free access to condoms, mm-hmm. right? To prevent the transmission of sexual, um, sexually transmitted diseases. And these are available, um, you know, in a lot of places. Some offices, you walk into the bathrooms and, you know, there's a whole pile of condoms available to people. And, you know, that is a great thing. And for me, that shows that if we're able to do that, then we're also, we should also be able to do the same thing for, for, to provide um, sanitary pro- products for, for, for people who are menstruating. Because, um, you know, I've, we've heard people who say, you know, instead of free condoms, we should have free sanitary pads. No, it's not a matter of either or. Okay. You know, it's a matter of public health. Both issues are a matter of public health. And everybody who uses a condom deserves to have free access to condom. The same way everyone who uses 
you know, a sanitary pad or a tampon or whatever um, period material that they use also deserves free access to it. Yeah, sexual health is not an either or topic. Yeah. If condoms are available freely, it's because activists work years mm-hmm. um, to destigmatize condom use, especially around the HIV and AIDS yeah. epidemic, which yeah. is why these things are available. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that condom use, you know, is consistent and regular and people have access to condoms, mm-hmm. but also people need to have access to menstrual products. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, oh, one has to give or the other has to no. give but i think the problem is when we're looking at condom use we're looking at, at it straight from a patriarchal male gaze hmm. that men yeah. are the ones that are enjoying free condoms mm-hmm. because men are the ones that are using the condoms but also like you know it's 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 for a reason that yeah. condoms are free it's mm-hmm. not that okay we're just doing it so men can just have sex all willy-nilly but it's for protection against mm-hmm. infections especially hiv and aids yeah and it benefits the woman as well yeah. and i think the reason why um this is important to have because Sometimes even within feminist spaces and feminist discourse, we push this as a, oh, men are getting this, why aren't women mm-hmm. getting this? But we need to understand the provision of condoms as a sexual reproductive health. Right. Um, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what we should be pushing for is let us also have um, menstrual products freely available mm-hmm. um, to everyone. Mm-hmm. And not a case of, oh, stop you know, providing free condoms, and providing free pads no, instead. Periods are natural, works. sex is not sex is natural. <laughs> you know, it's a natural urge that yeah. needs to, you know, intercourse. So for me I don't think um the discourse or the conversation should be about whether, you know, free condoms should be stopped and the resources directed mm-hmm. to we should be tasking um, duty bearers to mm-hmm. ensure that they're providing all of these. Because yeah. the, when you think about the condoms as well, it helps a lot of the women who probably, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. are not able to use other contraceptive methods. Mm-hmm. This is probably the one that they're able to, you know, negotiate Have to a certain husbands. extent. Exactly. Or those who are not able to walk into a pharmacy to buy one. Exactly. Yeah. You could so, just walk um, into a bathroom and pick some So up. those are some of the, even though in Gambia, to be honest, I don't think there, there are enough places providing... Mm-hmm. Um, providing condoms, free mm-hmm. condoms. People are still having to buy them. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think the conversation should shift towards ensuring that people, whoever they are, mm-hmm. are able to freely access um, men- um, sexual reproductive health products mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to, you know... Either or. Yeah, either, either or. or. <laughs> it doesn't serve anyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've delved into the problems a lot. And as usual, we've talked about the problems, but we also have an obligation to profile solutions to these problems so Hadi, what do you think can be done to address period poverty educate destigmatize talk about things make people very uncomfortable this in discomfort you will find comfort huh? literally yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very important that we have these conversations and um I always advocate for like, you know, having them respectfully and by respectfully, I mean like sitting down and breaking down concepts, Mm -hmm. not shying away from them. So saying vagina, saying period, saying all of these things, but in a way that the people you're talking to understand what Mm -hmm. you're saying Mm -hmm. and in a way that you're opening up the floor for questions versus just, oh, why are you doing this and this? Why are you so mad about this and Mm -hmm. this? And, you know, being more blamey than you are teaching. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think as a teacher in general my biggest thing is always teach 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 especially people are willing to learn they just don't know where to start off with Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't realize that you have misconceived ideas yeah yeah Yeah. and for me i think um it would be so um beyond the education also providing the materials that people need to be able to um effectively manage their periods Mm -hmm. because i'm thinking with the ministry of education for example rolling out their comprehensive health education for example 
um, a component that they could look at is provision of these materials mm-hmm. for schools mm-hmm. um, so people can get supplies. Because I think of how with the TYW Pad Drive, we were able to continue. Even after those classes graduated, they could still come every month to get mm-hmm. a supply of pads. My siblings so, used to Exactly. Come. So they could come every month, get a supply of their pads, started bringing in their friends. So at some point we ran out and mm-hmm. so we could not continue with the program. But when we had the supplies, we were able to give them um, those pads every month mm-hmm. and so I'm thinking if this is rolled out in all schools in the country that could also encourage um, enrollment it could encourage retention in schools because mm-hmm. then the girls would be able to get their supplies mm-hmm. what is it going to cost really mm-hmm. you look at one government per diem trip it could provide pads for a school for a very long period, period you know so it's really not just looking at comprehensive health education from just the education perspective, passing mm-hmm. the messages. Because, yes, people can have the information, but if you don't, they don't have the resources, then what? They use. can't really practice the things that they have learned. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that can happen outside of... Um, so, for example, here, I don't think you can get free pads, you know, going into places. So when I went mm-hmm. to my school that I have not graduated from, I walked into the bathrooms and I saw, like, pad dispensers. I was what? shocked. I had to take one just to get the feeling of you know, having to access, access that to local from the dispenser. Because it doesn't happen here. I've never no, seen no, it. Yeah, I've never seen it anywhere. So when I walked into the bathrooms on campus and I saw, and they had different varieties, they had pads, they had tampons, they had condoms in the bathrooms, I was like, wow. Wow. But what is stopping us from doing that as a country? It's not like our population is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we can do is to take off the tax on these products because mm-hmm. that could help to bring Make the cost down. Yeah. Especially when you're thinking about getting quality products because some of these things are really full of plastic. <coughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. really help. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get quality stuff, you can't spend anything less than $75 for yeah. a pack. Sometimes mm-hmm. even 100 mm-hmm. One pack may not serve you for um, yeah, month, month, yeah, yeah. For, mm-hmm. for the for your month. Mm-hmm. So for me, removing the tax might help... Um, bring down you know the cost of the the products mm-hmm. and maybe that's something that we need to take up as CSO groups and advocate for lobby with the government and ensure you know this is done you talk about um, dispensers I think in the Gambia we women or menstruating people we are the pad dispensers because yeah. usually when you when <laughs> when you get your period accidentally you run to your fellow woman mm-hmm. like do you have a spare pad and you know sometimes very often like I, I, I keep a spare one in my bag oh, just in case. Oh, just in case someone else one. needs it. So we are like the, 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 the default pad dispensers. But I think my solution also would be to the families, especially to parents of people who are menstruating. Very often if they're young, they would be ashamed to come to you when they when, when they get their period. Mm. So it's not even about affordability mm. like Yama mentioned. You could be able to give it to them, but they wouldn't come ask you because of shame. They feel embarrassed to come and tell you that they need pads. So if you have a person in your house who's menstruating, just every month, just buy it and give it to them. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for them to ask. That would help them. And also, you know, always try to, in addition to the pads, give them tissue to, you know, wipe themselves and just medication for the cramps, whatever you see, um, you know, try to get it to them because they would very likely feel embarrassed to ask you. It's interesting because during the 2IW thing, so one of the questions we also asked was who buys your pads? Mm -hmm. And you could tell from the dynamics in the class, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the girls were like, oh, my father buys them. He brings them in every month. Mm -hmm. And you could see from the way they would usually like engage in class from mm-hmm. the way they're speaking that mm-hmm. they're coming from a setting or from an environment where these things are encouraged, these mm-hmm. conversations are encouraged. So they're free to talk about them. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the other group which who are like, they can't even begin to talk about it. Yeah. And that was like the first safe space that they had mm-hmm. to talk about. So for example, the one that said she can't use them, not because her family can't afford mm-hmm. it, but because they feel um, she wouldn't have a baby when yeah. she gets married eventually or when she grows up. 
So I think um, it's one of those things. Provide the supplies mm-hmm. without having to place people in a position where, where they, they have to come and ask with all the discomfort that comes with. And hopefully by the time, in a few years, we would have you know, gotten rid yeah. of the shame and it would no longer be a problem. Okay. Oh, that brings us <laughs> to the almost end of this week's episode. But you know, before we wrap things up, we have to go to our favorite segment. Who's going to do it on us this week? Our favorite bloody segment this week. Yes, our favorite blood <laughs> segment. Gemma. I'm truly enjoying this. <laughs> All about the blood. Baby. It's a bloody Monday. So I'm dressed up. I'm bloody myself for this week. Ooh, I'm enjoying this. I'm loving this. <laughs> so, I'm for the week again is somebody that has been doing a lot of work in the Gambia mm-hmm. um, around menstruation, menstrual hygiene management, um, mm-hmm. demystifying period myths. One of the people, obviously, is the one we got the quote of the week from Fatima. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Musa of the week, we're also choosing to honor. Um, Fatumata Kasama. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the founder and CEO of Girls Pride. Mm-hmm. Um, Girls Pride is a social enterprise that has that provides period um, education basically, mm-hmm. but is also working to minimize um, period poverty by mm-hmm. providing well manufacturing in country reusable mm-hmm. pads and also providing. So their package is really really nice mm-hmm. because it has the products but it also has like cards that mm-hmm. show you how to use them how to clean it mm-hmm. how to prevent yourself from getting infections so she's been doing a lot of work around this also partnering with civil you know different organizations because i know we work with her on um at tyw to do like surveys in rural gambia to understand what the need is mm-hmm. so you can tailor the solutions what products you're taking would be things that they're able to actually use mm-hmm. so fatima Kasama. We are sending you a big shout out and yeah. saying thank you for all of the work that you do. Thank mm-hmm. you for um, all of the services that you provide mm-hmm. and um, for just the efforts you're putting into getting people to see periods differently, mm-hmm. see them as a positive thing, but also empowering, especially adolescent girls to be mm-hmm. comfortable with, you know, this aspect of their lives. So, yeah. She's really, really, really yeah. awesome. Yeah. She's she really was my amazing. classmate in high school. Oh, I had the <laughs> pleasure of interviewing her for yeah. my PhD. She's really lovely. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And she's just um, made this her full time. She's a nurse as well. Yeah. And so she's, she's able to look at the different components yeah. and really, really holistic work that she's doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, girl. We would like to thank our listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed this bloody episode. <laughs> if you have any bloody comments or bloody questions. <laughs> wow. Um, we're around. Do please do, um, you know, do share your feedback. Um, always again, hashtag us at hashtag M-U-S-S-O-P-O-D. Um, we're around. We love the conversation. We love talking to you all about all these things, especially around periods, because the more we talk about it, you know, the more the stigma um, goes away. So please, you know, let us know what your thoughts are on this episode. If you have first period stories or any period stories that you want to share, we want to hear them and we want to share them and we want to keep this conversation going. So thank y'all. And tag us when you do that. We're everywhere. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Muso Podcast. Um, and as usual, we love seeing all of your reactions to the episodes. <laughs> we love reading from you. Let us know what your thoughts are. Like Hadi said, we're, we're looking forward to your story. Hadi, did I share a little story that- I'm left. I'm tired. I'm really excited. Because there are actually people who follow us who are always telling us, you know, had his stories. Had his but stories. I guess you shared your period stories. So and you guys <laughs> laughed about that. So I think that's enough. Yeah. So yeah, let us know. We're on social media everywhere. We absolutely love reading from you. So tag us, Muso Podcast. Um, let's keep the conversation going. Yeah. Let's keep yep, the blood. Yep, 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 yep. We're coming to the. 
we, we come to the end of this bloody Monday, this bloody episode, and we can't say goodbye without thanking Right Click. Yeah. Thank you for an amazing production and all the time and effort put into our productions. We're truly grateful. Also, thank you to our associate hosts, a.k.a. our accessibility directors, Aisetu Yalo, Aisetu Suare, Susie Baby, and IJ. We're very grateful and... Angie you know, we tent- hope this episode would not be too long for you. And she if it's too long, <laughs> how long is episode 13? How long is episode 14? How long is this episode? <laughs> but thank you. We're truly grateful to you guys. And we hope you have a great week. And if you're getting your period this week, Massa, 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 we're sending you thoughts and prayers. Have a great bloody week. Bye. I'm the bloody muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.